0: welcome to episode 38 of monday state of mind my name is michael arnold and i'm the director of alumni and recovery support services for the harmony foundation we are all about your vibe commitments, just getting seated and ready and building a wicked awesome baseline for 2021. And I'm so excited about this theme that we are bringing to you guys right now in January. And so before we get in to this episode, which is an awesome continuum of episodes 36 and 37, I wanna tell all of you to head on back to episode one Go ahead and take those five minutes to listen to the why behind Monday State of Mind and just get to know me, Michael, your podcaster, a little bit better. <sighs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. We are talking about commitment. And I have totally prepped this amazing guest about commitment and talking about the fact that commitment isn't just about what you're committing to externally, and it's also about what you're committing to internally that really helps drive that commitment. And to also understand that commitment isn't scary. Like I've talked about recovery, and I'm sure this awesome guest is gonna talk about too, when we choose to commit to something, it ripples out into all areas of our lives. And so, without further ado, like I said, I don't like to introduce my guests because I don't do justice, but I talked about this in episode 37, like your vibe attracts your tribe and her vibe just jives with my tribe. And like, she's a part of my tribe and she's does incredible, incredible, amazing work. And I am grateful that she is bringing her knowledge, expertise, and just her passion to Monday state of mind. So whether you are drinking that cup of coffee, you're out on your morning stroll, you're in the car driving to work, wherever you are, take a moment to get present with me and this amazing guest. So do you want to go ahead and tell the world who you
1: are? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Uh, My name is Holly Wilson, and I'm the founder and CEO of Women's Recovery. And I'm so happy to be here today. I love being with this woman. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> we have so much fun. And when Holly said yes to being on my show, I was like, oh my gosh, she said yes. Like, I cannot wait to have her and to see which um what theme she wants to talk about. And when she said yes to talking about
1: commitment, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Yeah, speaking of commitment, <laughs> so- you were like, do you want to be on? Which one do you want to be on? And I'm like, the first one possible. Get me right on. I can't <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, yes. So you guys, so Holly, when I say even the word commitment, sometimes people are like, oh, people don't want to commit to anything because there's that fear of failure or there's that fear of the unknown. What's going to happen? And so people never really choose to commit. And so I just want to ask you, what has been your story with commitment and how has it changed? What drives you now? Like, just, just give us the juice.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very big topic, right? Like, commitment is not a small thing. But I can say that there's, like, a marked difference between my attitude around commitment from before getting sober and after getting sober, right? It was, like, I would definitely view what you would consider, like, a commitment phobe in that previous lifestyle. And a big thing that I learned in recovery was like this idea of acceptance. And before I got sober, there was just so much like procrastination and so much justification of reasons why, like I shouldn't commit to something or I shouldn't start something or I'll do it then. That was kind of my MO. I just knew how to pass things off. And ultimately the whole concept around it that I didn't realize at the time was figuring out excuses to not have to move forward in my life reasons to keep me stuck and the first major commitment that i made to kind of break out of this pattern was to get sober and that was the primary motivator for me i mean a lot of people will talk about their motivation for getting sober was having all these major life consequences and losing everything and just major, major things. And for me, it really was just not getting anywhere and feeling like nothing was happening in my life. I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted. I wasn't meeting expectations that I had had for myself. And so that was my first step of what I saw being the problem was the alcohol. And I said, I am done with this. And I just made that commitment right there. And so that one's kind of stuck, you know, it's like nine and a half years later, I've really stuck to that commitment. Uh, And then I got to kind of learn all these underlying reasons why I was avoiding and why I was not committing. And so I think to sum it up, that would be like the main difference is that uh, now I realize that this place of indecision, this lack of commitment is such a uncomfortable place for me to be it, it creates all sorts of problems and discomfort and it is the number one enemy of progress is that place of indecision so now to me it doesn't matter if it's even the right or the wrong thing I just make a decision and I move forward in it so long story short that's that's why I'm here today there you go <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hi. you were talking in a moment when you were like a lot of times it was, You would procrastinate and then you would justify not committing to things and then you weren't progressing in life. That's so true, whether it's for people like us in recovery or people not in recovery. Would you say that that's safe to say, like, it really is that procrastination and that justification?
1: To me, my life is kind of marked by these sober and not sober times. But that's just my story. I think a lot of us can kind of relate to these major life decisions. And for me, becoming a sober woman just drove me to really examine a lot of these behaviors that I had that I don't necessarily think were a result of my drinking. But my drinking sure became one of those great vehicles to really help justify those behaviors, right? It was like, that's the perfect avoidance is just getting lit all the time and not having to focus and i can escape whatever it is i'm supposed to be doing like that's a great excuse Uh, but really i think for me the behavior was there um, and that was underlying the drinking more than anything but because i chose to become a a person who was sober and went to treatment and got introduced to a 12-step program i got to learn a lot of these really great tools so I could look at those behaviors. And that's where, you know, I know some of the things that I learned about acceptance that really helped me because I started to realize it doesn't really matter if I'm making the right or the wrong decision. And for so many years, even before I ever picked up a drink that would paralyze me and keep me from making any kind of progress. Cause I would just overanalyze, is this the right way? Or is this the right way? Is this the right color shirt? Or is that the right color shirt? And it just is like, so much energy that I was just using, spinning my wheels and not getting anywhere. And so, learning to just commit to something, whether it's a very small thing or a large thing, that's more important because I'd rather just get going and then have to course correct while I'm on the move than keep myself from ever even getting started. <sighs>
0: that's so good. And so I want to ask you since you made that very first commitment, right? It was just that singular commitment of getting sober. What has happened for you? And like, just even for your state of mind as the result of you made this first commitment and then other things started happening for you, whether it was like you committed to showing up to work on time, making your bed, like what were other things that just started to just subconsciously you started to commit to because of this first commitment
1: oh yeah well I'll have to just preface it by saying that when I chose to go to treatment and stop drinking in my mind that was going to be a very short-term commitment I was like I'm gonna go to rehab and get all like in great shape and get cute and get everybody (laughs) off my back and then I'll be able in like six months probably to drink like a lady and I'll still be able to smoke pot the whole time and But I'm just going to go and see what's going on. And so again, the focus for me was really around alcohol and the drink. And so making that commitment, I got to go in. And since I wasn't spending all that energy, like, should I quit? Should I not quit? I got to move forward and open myself up to all these other things that were sitting there waiting for me. And what that looked like for me wasn't just about getting, you know, fit and, learning how to not piss everybody off. It was like, wow, I was introduced to all these parts of myself that I was unfamiliar with. Parts that were hurting, um, parts that were really strong and brave, parts that were very motivated and determined, things that I maybe even did know at one point, but had been dormant for so long. So it became it, a whole nother world opened up to me that I wasn't ready for because I was so stuck like in the purgatory of indecision for so long that I couldn't get to that next place to even be able to see. I kind of think of it as like climbing a mountain, right? And and once you get like to the, ne- the first little hill, you're like, okay, I can see better. And so then I got to see, oh wow, there's so much more that I can get to. And so I would have to say that initial commitment helped open me up to seeing how much further I could take that. And that's ultimately what kept me in sobriety was that things had gotten really good really quickly because I had committed to the process. I remember being in treatment and starting to get this idea that they were going to make me want to do this sober thing a little bit longer than I was originally committing to. And the thing that I realized there with the help of a lot of like counselors was that that drink would always be there. That lifestyle would always be there. Everything that I had already been doing, I already knew that and I could always go back to that. And so I thought to myself, well, why not just keep this going? And so I then after, you know, like 45 days in treatment was like, I'm going to commit to one year. That's what they keep telling me. They just say, keep making it, you know, just make it to one year and see what happens. And fortunately for me, climbing up the mountain, I got to see better and I felt better and I grew stronger. And so it just made it so I wanted to keep going. And eventually getting to that one year of recovery mark and all the challenges that I was able to get through sober on the way and the way that I was able to now like kind of meet life and meet challenging situations um, head on instead of running away and avoiding them. It was what ultimately helped me learn that I could do just about anything that I wanted to in life. And so being a mom, having a business, uh, all these other things that I am so proud of myself for achieving fundamentally came from making that first decision and then taking it one day at a time from there.
0: Something that you said that really stuck out to me is that when you started that commitment of being sober, you got to learn about parts of you that you were unfamiliar with, like you had unfamiliar parts. And I was like, that is so rich, right? Because unless we choose to lean into that fear and that uncomfortability of committing to something we're never gonna know other parts of us. And the fact that you said that, I was like, that's where the magic happens is being able to like learn and embrace these unfamiliar parts that are dormant until we make a commitment. I was like, "Oh, Holly.
1: Yeah, the power is there. That's where all the power is. I mean, there's so much uh, discomfort and disease that comes along with this indecision and just waiting. And it's like, just doing something, propels you forward. And whether it's not on the exact track that you wanted, you're that much closer to something else. And then mm-hmm. you can always switch over and push off over here or go off over there. Like nothing is set in stone and I think that's something that, you know, in my uh commitment phobe ways, I was always so afraid of going in the wrong direction that it was paralyzing. And then when I just started to kind of have that faith, of what people were telling me to just try it. It's like, it can't be worse than where you're at right now. And that ultimately, I think for a lot of us who get sober, that's why we end up doing it. Cause we're like, man, anything but this, right. And I was desperate enough to try it. And fortunately for me, I had enough good experiences right in a row, which was pretty much all of them of this works, just accept it and go. And that, that's, that's where all the magic happens.
0: Yep. It's, it's so true. Something else I talked about that I want you to touch on too, is like, we make these commitments and all these wonderful things start to happen for us externally. But then it's also about, like I talked about on my episode is the internal commitment. So if we are going to get these things externally, how are we going to commit internally to making these things happen for us easier? I said it's about our vibe, like our inner essence of how we choose to show up every day. So if we show up in a really defeated state of mind, things aren't going to be easy for us. But if we show up like, you know I'm so obnoxiously grateful and like a hurricane of happiness, things become easy, but it has to be a choice. And I think it's safe to say that a lot of us don't really pay attention to that internal part that we have to have to be even more successful. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that internal commitment of how we choose to feel to make the outer one successful.
1: Yeah, and fortunately this is another gift that I, was given to me in recovery, right? Is learning how to have dominion over your internal state. My son talks about it all the time. He's like, my brain just made me do it. I just felt that way and we have to learn. Even as children, we're not usually taught that we get to choose our thoughts. And it feels like our thoughts often are just kind of running rampant on their own, which in recovery we'll refer to often as like self will run riot and like, well, you know, la wherever they go. And, uh, and that was a gift was learning that I get to choose. I get to choose my intention for the day. I get to choose to focus on you know, what I can contribute to the world instead of what I'm not getting out of the world or from other people. And so I really think that setting that internal landscape is where you're gonna find all this fruition. It's thoughts and actions together. And for like a lot of clients, I'll talk to them because they're like, you know, this woo woo God stuff or spirituality. I'm like, well, how about physics? Because matter is created from energy plus vibration. So the energy is your thoughts. And I mean, you've probably felt that sometimes where your thoughts are going so much, you feel like smoke might be coming in your ears. And the vibration (laughs) is what you say. So your thoughts plus your words is what you manifest into the world. So without having both of those in alignment, again, you're not going to create what it is that you're wanting to create in your life. So I do think that setting your internal state to match what it is that you want. And then speaking with precision and accuracy and being really mindful of the language that you're using about your reality, it's imperative in creating what it is that you want and getting the results that you're looking for.
0: Oh, this is why we vibe, because she brought up energy and vibration and physics. And it's not just about this woo-woo-ness. I'm so glad you said that because it's true it is about like our internal state too, because as much as we want to commit to something, if we're not internally feeling it, we won't get there. And it's just, it's a big part of things that we can't really ignore. And sometimes Holly, I think that we're sometimes afraid to to face that because we know that, we know that's the problem. Some of you guys listening to this, you know, your internal feelings are the problem to your, to being able to commit. And so I just want to ask you like, just from your experience of how you show up in your like ultimate badassery every day, what are some tips or tricks that you could share with the audience to be able to just be aware of their internal state? And what are things that you do to just kind of set the bar for the day to be like, this is what's gonna happen?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I learned a lot from the 12 step model about waking up and having prayer and meditation in the morning. And to me, prayer, again, is just asking, right? It's like, here's what I want. I'm just going to lay out there every day what I want. And I talked to our clients about this, because I think even as women, particularly, we're conditioned to not advocate for what we want. So If I'm going to advocate it somewhere, it might as well be in my own head, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can definitely advocate for myself in my own mind. So I'm going to start by saying, this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. And then I want to secondarily say, If that is what's good for everybody, I don't want to do things that are going to go and hurt and anybody else. And so I think a lot of that stuff is laid out with the morning meditation in the big book. I want to set out to not harm anybody else. I want to set out to not create any messes that I'm going to have to clean up later. Because once again, that's a good sidetrack to get off of what my real agenda is and to get some bad energy coming my way. don't want that. So We're going to set our intention to do well in the world and to get what we want. And I think that uh, meditation is really important for me as well in the morning of just getting quiet because prayer is when I get to ask and meditation is when I get to hear the answer to my request, right? It's like, what, what do you want me to do? Another thing that I'm really big into is focusing on the end goal right and then working backwards with my with how to reach that goal and so i spend a lot of time meditating on how i want to feel and i used to do this with all my clients uh, even before i opened women's recovery is we would work on our lifetime goals and what kind of careers people would want so cuz i think a lot of people in recovery start with these attitudes that they've just been beaten down and whether it's doing it to themselves or other people doing it or both or the world at large we just get to this place where we can have really self-defeating thoughts that happen pretty automatically so we want people to start believing they can do it and work backwards to show them a pathway to that but I always start with it's not about what the job is it's not about who you marry or what you look like how do you want to feel like focus on the feeling and just cling onto that emotion in your heart of what it's going to feel like what kind of freedom you're going to have do you want to wear like a power suit or do you want to wear flip flops and tropical shirt to work focus on that and then just start working backwards in how to get to that but also that's where we do our part and we trust the universe to meet us If we're putting out our intention and we're taking the steps to get there, then the universe has room to come in and meet us halfway. And I know I touched on this for a second, but another part of what we have to do is in that meditation and prayer, we start to get really familiar with that voice in our head, which I think is just a cumulative voice of kind of all the voices that we've collected over the years. From our parents, from our siblings, our family, uh, people in school, friends, people who have been really hateful and mean to us and harsh and haters. And, and we'll we'll kind of collect all those voices into one. And I think that that's what will automatically happen if we're not mindful to choose our thoughts. So part of the process of meditation, uh, and for me also individual therapy, is getting to examine where those things are coming from and if they're serving me today, because if they're not serving me today, they got to get out of my head, you know, and I love that you said that you got to get them out. If it's not serving you, then it's time to get out of there because there will always be haters. There's always going to be tough stuff. Um, And some of it's really easy. And some of it is really hard and more deeply ingrained in our core being. And so If we want to really get what it is that we want, we have to be willing to do that deeper work.
0: Yeah. Guys, there you have it. You're going to have to put this on repeat because Holly gave some amazing action items. And again, I love it when you said, like, it goes back to that inner work. And if a thought is coming in your head that's not serving you, a.k.a. back to what you said in the beginning, like that procrastination or that justification. If you know those are not serving you towards your commitment, or what you want to commit to, let it go and get curious around why you're thinking that so that you can make shift happen.
1: Oh, that's great. Make shift happen. I love
0: it. Yeah. And you got to make, <laughs> it's like you got to make it mad. You got to move the needle. Ah. You know, for those people that are listening, Holly, they're like, yeah, that's cool and all you you guys, but like, I still have that fear. So, If you had just one thing as we're wrapping up this wicked awesome episode, if you had one or two things to say to that person that is like, They know they want to commit to something. They know it, whether it is recovery or something else, but they're so scared. And like, that was me. Like, I was so scared. What, like, what would you say to them to help just
1: move the needle? Yeah, I would say that fear and indecision are going to be your enemies. Okay. They will keep you from everything that it is that you want. And I think, and looking at really successful people who I admire, the one thing that they have in common is that they have this bravery. It's not that they never feel fear. I think that's a John Wayne quote, is that being brave isn't never feeling fear. It's feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Like, we're all going to be afraid of failure. We're all going to be afraid of criticism. I think that's a normal human condition that's helped us build society is being so consumed with other people and what they think of us. It's helped us in a lot of ways. But now, if you're noticing you're at the point where that's keeping you from doing everything, you just have to understand that you can either be afraid for the rest of your life Or you can have everything that you ever really wanted and it's up to you i mean the work is going to be the same to burn out and just get stuck in this place of indecision and fear is going to be the same amount of mental energy that you could be putting toward building the life of your dreams getting everything that you ever wanted i don't think that there's anything that sets us apart from all these incredibly successful people other than they just keep going anyway
0: it's so true and like holly you you nailed it and you guys like that is exactly why i brought holly wilson on here because i knew that she could deliver the information that i would say to you guys too just from a different voice and of empowerment and someone that's been through commitment issues you know and that's why we do this podcast you guys we get vulnerable we get honest we talk about things that are uncomfortable but we have to acknowledge these, these uncomfortable things and get vulnerable about our imperfections because nobody's perfect so that we can change. And I love that you were able to come on here and, and share a part of you with the world, Holly. Like it's, it's incredible. And I just want to just say thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. And of course, it's, it's like even a risk to come on here, right? It's like, am I going to say the right thing? But that's all that I can do is my son actually watches the Magic School Bus. And Miss Brizzle, she always says it's about taking chances, making mistakes and getting messy. And I love that. It's like, that's, that's what we're here for is humans learn by making mistakes. So go out there and make a bunch of mistakes and know that that's not going to keep you from having everything you ever wanted.
0: Oh, ah, Holly Wilson. Thank you. You guys, there you have it. Another wicked awesome episode of Monday state of mind in the books. I hope that this inspired you to literally like go kick some ass and take some names against these commitment issues you might have. And I'm so grateful you guys are all here. And with that being said, ladies and gents, I do want to go ahead and end this episode by reminding you that if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please call the Harmony Foundation at 866-686-7867. Recovery is a journey and Harmony gives you the map. All right, you guys, we'll see you next week.